you. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Morning. You're awake. Good, good. Now you can fall asleep as I begin to speak. Um, I hope that you guys all had a great week after Easter. Well, today we're going to spend some time looking at a really important question that we need to answer in life. As you can see here, it's the big question. Um, And this question is so important because it affects our entire relationship with God. Um, And it can influence how we live each and every day, why we live it the way we do. And that, that question is, what does God want from me? What does God want from me? You know, have you ever asked this question? If you're exploring Christianity, if you're exploring what it means to be a follower of Jesus, you know, you may have heard about all the wonderful things that come from accepting Christ as Savior for our sins and wondering, what's the catch? You know, what is it that God wants in this bargain? Or if you've been walking for Jesus, uh, with Jesus for a while, you may have asked this question in a moment of frustrated desperation, you know, when you're wondering whether God is really for you or whether he's out to get you. Um, but the, the reality is, whether we realize it or not, this is a question that we ask each and every day as we decide how we're going to follow God that day. What is it that God wants from me? And how we answer this question actually shows us our conception of God. It shows us what we think about God and what we think about our standing before him. For example, have you ever felt like God was watching over you and just waiting for you to mess up? You know, have you ever felt like God might be in heaven with a checklist, like, went to church today? Check. Said good morning to annoying coworker? Check. Didn't say any curse words? Check. Stopped fully at stoplight? Nope. Well, I'm going to have to give him a dent in his car this week for that one. You know, I, I'll, I'll be honest, like, I know that there's times when this is my mindset of God and that I live out of that mindset. But that's, that's not who God really is. You know, what is God really like? You know, what is it that he wants from us? You know, maybe God wants our money. You know, maybe, you know, Jesus talked about money a whole lot in the Gospels. Maybe that's what he really wants. He wants our money. But that that doesn't really fit with who God is. That doesn't fit with the fact that God made everything, that God's the one who gives us the ability to make money. You know, maybe God wants our service. Like he needs us to accomplish things here on earth. Well, again, that doesn't really fit with the fact that God gives us life and breath. He allows us to serve. And in fact, he even says in the Bible that he does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands. You know, maybe God wants or needs our praise. Maybe he's like a petulant child who's just desperate for us to really, you know, praise him and to obey him and just do exactly what he wants us to do because he's like that little child. Well, again, that's not really the picture of God that we see in the Bible. You know, in fact, Jesus at one point in the Bible said that if people weren't going to praise him, that the rocks would sing forth in praise. So clearly he doesn't need us for that. And, you know, we may not ask these questions so directly, um, But each and every day, as we follow God, we are answering that question, what does God want from me? And God gives us the answer to this question in the book of Hosea. Now, in the book of Hosea, what was going on was that um, it was showing the nations of Israel's unfaithfulness to God. And yet, despite how much they were unfaithful, how obstinate they were to not follow God, It was not enough to exhaust God's redeeming love for them. 
which I know is something that I find very comforting. I think we all can. And in Hosea 6, 6, God gives the answer to what he really wants. It says, for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. You know, there were many things that God had commanded Israel to do, but God was far less interested in the actions themselves than in the heart of the people behind those actions. You know, Jesus confirmed this very thing in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40. And in this verse, a lawyer had come up to Jesus and said, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? What is the most crucial thing for us to do out of all the many things that God has told us? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You know, that's, that's a pretty epic statement that Jesus just made there. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The major point that God has been trying to make, trying to get us to understand since creation of the world, is that we are to love God and to love others. So what is it that God wants from me? What is it that God wants from us? Simply put, God wants our heart. God, as a good father, wants us to love him with all of our hearts as loving children and to follow him and let our obedience stem from a heartfelt desire to be pleasing in his sight. God wants us to love him and to benefit from that love. You know, it's, it's really easy to fall into a problem here, however. You know, we have a tendency to complicate this answer. Even when we understand that God wants our hearts, it's easy over time to keep heaping on things onto that. God wants my heart and, God wants my heart and, until it becomes God wants these things. You know, we think about things that we ought to do and not do those out of love, but instead really just to placate God. And we lose that important thread of loving God. And this is actually part of the trap that the Pharisees fell into. You know, the Pharisees were religious leaders during the time of Jesus. And what they did is they kept the people in check. You know, they were making sure that everyone was doing right before God. And in their zeal to do this, they had created this series of rules. I believe it's about 613 laws that people were to follow. And they made sure that the people followed these laws. Well, you know, you would think that a group so concerned about doing what's right before God and Jesus, the son of God, you would think that they would get on really well, right? Like they would be best mates. It would make sense because, you know, God, Jesus was the son of God and they were trying to make sure that people did exactly what God wanted. Well, what you find out in the Bible is actually the exact opposite was true. Most of the Pharisees hated Jesus because he was not so focused on the rules that they had created. And likewise, Jesus used them as an example of how we should not live in life. You know, he, he constantly, actually regularly called them hypocrites. Jesus said that the Pharisees were like cups that had been washed only on the outside, that were still gross and disgusting on the inside, that they were like whitewashed tombs that may look pretty, but were filled with bones and decay on the inside. Why? It's because the Pharisees had not given God their hearts. They may have been doing the right things. What they were doing wasn't necessarily bad, but they answered the question, what does God want from me incorrectly? God wants our hearts. And, you know, how amazing is that? You know, the God who created everything, the God who gives us life and breath, who allows me to stand up here before you and speak, 
you know, that gives us the ability to think, to laugh, to create, to enjoy. The God who gives us the sun to light our days, you know, and gives us the ability to create such amazing thing like music, like bridges, like pizza. You know, this, this amazing God who gives us the opportunity to be pardoned from the judgment that we are fully deserved of because of our sins. All he wants of us is for us to love him, to give our hearts to him and to follow him out of that love. Like, that's a pretty amazing deal that we're getting. You won't find that anywhere else on earth. So what can we do to help give our heart to God? You know, to love someone is a very active process. And it can be hard at times to think, how do we do this? How do we do this practically with the invisible God? You know, God's not standing before me here as another person. So how do I practically give him my heart? And so to examine this, we're going to look at three things in the life of King David, um, in which he did giving his heart to God. Now, why King David? Well, King David is a great example um, of giving your heart to God because of what God said of him in Acts 13, 22. And he said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. So God said of David that he had a heart after his own. And, you know, he's just an amazing example of how we also can therefore give our hearts to God. And so with this glowing acclaim from God about David, we're going to look at his life and some of the things that he did to give his life to God. So the, the first thing we see is that we can give our hearts to God as we develop a heart of thankfulness. You know, in life, we care deeply for the things and the people that we're truly thankful for. You know, if you, if you just take a moment and think of the people who have really blessed you in life, you know, the people who have really loved you and cared for you, you know, those people that you're almost about ready to cry when you think of all that they've done for you, you'll realize that you've given part of your heart to them. You really love them. Well, David felt this way about God, and his heart of thankfulness is evident throughout the Psalms that he wrote. So let's go ahead and look at Psalm 9, 1 through 2. It says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. And then also let's look at Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. You know, if you take some time and take a tour through the Psalms that David wrote and, you know, in also just read the story of his life, you find that David was thanking God throughout his life, both in the good times and in the bad and, you know, in some of the Psalms, you can actually see David sort of in a fit of depression or grumbling and then change, uh, change process into being in a state of thankfulness to God. You know, so, so what can we do to develop that same thankful heart? You know, what, what can we be thankful for? Well, so here's five things that David used as fuel for his thankfulness. First of all, David looked back at what God had done in his life and in history. You know, David would think about, all that God had done from Abraham through uh, leading the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, everything that, that God had done in his own life. 
And we can actually do the same thing. We can actually look back to what God has done through Abraham, through Israel throughout the years, throughout people, the men and women in the centuries that have led up to the point where we are here being able to worship God now. We can look back and thank God for all of that. David also considered God himself and how he acts and help us. He would thank God for his steadfastness, his faithfulness, how he acts as a shield for us. And again, we can do that same thing. David considered how God listens to our prayers. I mean, what an amazing thing that the God who created the heavens and the earth actually listens when I talk to him. Well, that's something we can be so thankful for. David also looked forward to how God would work in the midst of problems. So David, as he was sharing his heart to God, sharing all the things that were going on, he actually thanked God knowing God would act. Because knowing God's character, he knew God would act. Maybe not act in the way that he thought, but he knew God would act, and therefore he thanked him for that. And then finally, David looked for God's hand, God working in the situations around him. And in the same way, we can look at what God is doing in the people around us, in the church, across the world, and thank him for all those things. And as we practice thankfulness in these same areas that David did, our thankfulness will draw our hearts to God towards giving him the love that he really wants from us. So we can give our thankfulness to God. The second, or we can develop a heart of thankfulness. The second thing we can do to draw our hearts to God is to cultivate closeness with God. You know, there's two people on earth that I have a closer relationship with anyone else, and that's my wife and my son. And why is that? Because I have such a close, intimate relationship with each of them. Well, in the same way, our heart will move towards God, helping us to really love and follow him when we develop a close relationship with him. And how, how can we develop a close relationship with God? How does this work, again, with an invisible God who isn't here standing before me? Well, just as with friends and family, we develop that close, intimate relationship with God by spending time in, with him. And that, that may be hard to understand, but let's look at three ways that David did that, how he cultivated that close relationship with God. So first of all, David spent time considering God's creation. Psalm 8, 3 through 4 says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful him and the son of man that you care for him? So David would look at the vast expanse of the world of the universe and thought, wow, who is this God who created all this and yet actually cares about me? And we can do the same thing. Now, we have to drive a bit because we have light pollution. You know, we can't look at the stars so easily. But I encourage you to do that. In Psalm 19, 1 through 5, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. So I want you to actually stop and look around for a few moments. Like, look at these trees. There might be squirrels playing behind me. It happens from time to time, right? Look, look at the sky. Look at the sun, not directly at the sun. You know, look at this world around you. Creation is one of the ways that God has revealed himself to the world. And when we examine creation, and when we ask, what does this say about who God is? And how he provides and cares for his creation. What does it say about his glory, his creativity, his wonder? When we do this, we can actually get to know quite a lot about God. And he will speak to us about himself out of the universe he has made. 
Now, if this is a challenge for you, if that's just not in the way that your mind works, I really encourage you, go on a hike and read Psalm 104. It's a great, like, guided tour of thinking through creation. So one of the ways that we can get to know God better is we can spend time in creation um, and think about him. The other thing uh, David also did is he spent time hearing from God through his word. And God's word is another way that God has revealed himself to us. Psalm 19, 7 through 11 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than they are than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. When we spend time in God's word, it really gives us a much fuller picture of who God is. And God can use that to speak to us about himself and about his will and his ways. And if we actually take the time to memorize God's word, it actually gives him the opportunity to speak to us throughout the day, not just when we're sitting in front of our Bible. So as an example of this, there was a day when I had gotten off work. I went and got in my car to drive home, drive home in traffic, you know, the typical thing that we do. And I just was really tired that day. And what I really wanted to do was turn on my book on tape because what I wanted to do was just let my mind escape. You know, I wanted rest. I wanted to let my mind escape from everything that was going on. And one of the things I typically do when I get in my car is I pray for a moment. Often it's because I'm trying to placate God, like, glory God, I prayed, now I can do whatever I want. And so I got in, I started to pray for a second, and all of a sudden, God popped into my mind, you know, it's God who gives rest. And a verse that I memorized is Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And, that, and in that moment, I honestly, I thought, oh, I don't want to pray. I want to listen to my book. I want to let my mind escape. But God had spoken to me through his word in that moment. And so I, I decided I was, you know, I was going to try. Honestly, I'll be honest. I did not think that I was going to feel rested after that. But I spent that drive home praying, you know, sharing with God my tiredness, sharing with God my heart. And when I got home, it was, I was actually super refreshed. And that impacted me so much that to this day, I'm not perfect at this, but when I'm feeling really tired and want to escape, it'll actually remind me, I actually need to go to God for rest, that he's the one who's going to give me real rest in life. It's not going to be the distractions of books or TV or any other thing. Well, when, when we get into God's word, God's word can speak to us about who he is, and it can help us to develop a close relationship with him. And just as I've learned that I can go to our good God for rest, you can learn that he, will, that he is there and wants to, uh, wants to speak to you. Well, so the, the final thing that David did to cultivate that close relationship was that he would pray to God. And the Psalms are actually a great picture of the praise and prayers of David to God. And what did David pray about? He prayed about everything. Um, and in, I, again, I encourage you to take some time, read through the Psalms and see how David prayed and talked to God. You know, David and the various writers of the other Psalms, they were super, super honest with God. 
um, they shared their deepest thoughts with God. And I will admit, there are times when I struggle to be as honest with God as David was. You know, sometimes I get back into that mindset of, what does God want for me? You know, who is this God? And I start to think that God may be unhappy or disappointed with my deepest thoughts, the things going on in my heart. And in those times, I'll sort of hedge my prayers. The problem with this is I'm actually keeping God far off. Instead of developing a close relationship with God by really sharing with him what's deep in my heart, I'm holding him off, again, just trying to placate him. When we don't share with God in prayer, we're actually hindering our relationship with him. And what you see in David is that David shared it all. He shared his best thoughts, his worst thoughts, the good and the bad. So David cultivated a closeness with God by spending time with him. He listened to God through God's word. He listened to God through creation. And he spent time with God speaking with him in prayer. And as we do those same things, our love of God will grow. So the last thing we can do to really draw our hearts to God is to daily yield to him and then look for the results. Now, you may think like, wait a second, we've come full circle. You know, it isn't about our actions. It's not about what we should do. But now we're saying that we need to yield to God to do what he wants me to do. But there's an important part here, an important point. It's why we are doing what we are doing. It's the difference between trying to placate God, just trying to please him so he won't smite us, versus desiring to follow a father whom we love and whom we really want to please and make proud. You know, we yield our lives to God out of our love for him. John 14, 21, it's not up here, but John 14, 21 says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. As we yield to God in love, we are truly giving our hearts over to him. And the great thing about this is God asks us not to yield our lives for his benefit, but for our own. And so let me say that again. God asks us to yield to him for our benefit, not for his. God wants us to experience joy and peace in life. You know, just just imagine that for a moment. Like, how often do you find in life that you're frustrated, you're anxious, you're stressed, that life just feels hectic, like you're just trying to hold on? Those aren't the things that God wants for us. You know, he really wants us to have a life filled with joy, with peace. And so God calls on us to yield to him that we may experience that type of life that he has for us. And and we can see this in Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 5. So God was preparing the people of Israel to enter the promised land. And what had just happened is that Moses had given the people a bunch of laws that they were to follow, a bunch of ways that they could yield their lives to God in obedience. But God didn't want them to get so focused on the laws that they missed what was going on, what they were all about. So let's look at Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 5. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all the statutes and his commandments, which I have commanded you. So there's all this stuff I've been giving you. It's all about, you, you know, we really want you to do it. And not only you, but your kids after you. But then look why and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you 
and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God, as the God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. God's saying, I want you to yield because I want it to go well with you. I'm trying to bless you. So please follow me. And again, he brings it back to what is it about? It's about love. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. So we follow God out of love. When we daily yield to him, he will bless our lives. And in turn, that will draw us closer to him. That's going to help us give our heart over to him. And David, we can see this, David following the same precept of yielding to God in his life. And we can see how God worked in it. He describes, David describes seeing the results of his obedience in Psalm 18, 20 through 24. It says, the Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanliness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him and I kept myself I kept myself from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanliness of my hands in his sight. So if we daily yield to God, really seeking to trust him, he will bless our lives. And we'll find that more and more we can trust him. That more and more that we'll see that he is a good father and that more and more our obedience will actually come from a heartfelt desire to be pleasing in his sight. You know, I I have found in my own life that over the years, as I've continued to follow God more and more, I want to obey him because I love him versus because I'm trying to avoid pain or find specific types of blessing. And we will find that as we do this, as we give our obedience to God, our heart is going to go with him as well. As long as we hold that that obedience comes from love itself. So what is it that God wants from me? What is it that God wants from you? God loves us. And what he really wants is that we would love him and follow him out of that love. So as we focus on thankfulness, as we focus on cultivating a closeness with God and obeying him and seeing how he in turns blesses us, our hearts will be drawn towards God and we will be able to really love him in a way that is appropriate. So, As you go through your week this coming week, I really encourage you to focus doing what you do out of a love for God. You know, as you get up to do your quiet time, as you, you know, attempt not to cut off the person in front of you, as you do your work well, I encourage you to think about that from the standpoint of, I'm doing this out of my love for God. And as you do that more and more, you're going to find that your love for him grows. So I'm going to go ahead and pray and why doesn't the band come on up and we will continue worshiping this morning. God, I just thank you um, that you give us so much and expect so little of us. Um, I just thank you that you are a God who's easy to love, um, that you are such a generous, gracious, and loving God. And I do pray that um, you would really just Help us see in our lives the different areas where we've gotten off track, where we're doing it out of, uh, not out of love for you, but out of um, a desire to uh, really try to placate you, God. And I, I do just pray that we would change our hearts in those situations, that we would turn back towards loving you and really um, seeing you as our good father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.